You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin, Tatiana King-Jones, and Jeff J. Our show is edited and produced by DJ Ben Amin, and For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website, are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. And what's up, y'all? And welcome to another episode of the For All Nerd Show. The voice of the urban geek, the podcast that discusses geek culture from the perspective of people of color. And as always, it's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Chris Radnorock. Keep that same energon when you see me. Lightwork Yagami, Lando Californication, YOLO Baggins, Hollywood Amin here in the spaceship tonight. And as always, I'm joined by... Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Beretta Scott King, Sean John Luke Picard, Chance the Parappa, T'Challa Bread, and... Rita Aurora Chimaru. Mm-hmm. And how are you doing this week, Miss Rita? I am well. I have not been drinking. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I know the last two times I, I was on something um, that got progressively worse towards the end, but no, I'm good. Mm. Well, shout out to the commenters who said that, you know, we should do more episodes while imbibing oh, and word. having libations. Um, well, you know what? This is interesting that we talked about libations because I'm actually doing a show, uh, later this month that includes libations. Um, okay. Drink champs. No, <laughs> I'm actually doing a drunk black history show. Wow. At Littlefield in Brooklyn on June okay. 19th. Um, Big things. um, you know, you know, our, our friends at medium podcasts, mm-hmm. excuse me, medium popcorn podcast. Um, uh, they, one of them are, is actually hosting it. Um, so it was going to be myself, Don Will, and one other person. I apologize that now I don't have it in front of me, but, um, I will repeat it as we get into the show, but yeah, I'm going to be doing a little bit of drunk history, you know, for a show. Maybe that, maybe that will be my, my practice and then we'll do it on this show. Or, you know, when we do our live show sometime this year, you know, maybe we'll have some libations at that i mean i'm sure i'm sure we will oh we you absolutely know, there, there's, will. there's no maybe about that right. definitely that's a that's a guarantee you, you could take that to the bank <laughs> and yes once again you could take this to the bank thank you to everybody out there listening you know all our subscribers everybody on that patreon.com slash for all nerds everybody out there i was actually asking 
you know, on Twitter and Instagram today about what does the patrons, what do they want to see exactly from us? So mm-hmm. please let us know because we've been dropping, you know, some content for you over there. But I always just want to know what exactly are y'all looking for out there because y'all are putting your hard earned dollars behind us. And I love you for it. Thank you very much. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always. And I just want to say, yo, it's been a great week for me. Um, it's It's been, you know, a lot of things have been. Yes. You know, thank you. You, you know. <laughs> you've been busy. I see you trying not to give it away, but you've been very busy. I've been very busy. Yeah. And I'm not giving it away yet because, you know, contracts are in place and, you know, NDAs and all that good stuff. But there's a lot of things going on. And I'm just really happy and feeling really good. You know, I've been feeling good creatively, professionally, just every which way. And one thing about that is, like, I feel like that has become, I mean, that's happened because I've chosen, I've been paying a lot more attention to what I'm imbibing Mm. and what I'm taking in as far as media consumption, as far as social media consumption especially, And, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show about being positive and having positive energy and just really thinking positive thoughts and putting that into the universe. And I feel like a lot of times on Twitter, we get trapped into this world of like, yo, you know, I got to repeat the worst news out, you know, and I got to be the first to talk about it. Mm. Or I got to have my say whenever somebody is saying something stupid, yo, I just got to make sure that one person knows how. I feel about what stupid things they just said. And I'm like, yo, you know, why? Well, well, this is interesting. What's the point? This is, Mm -hmm. this goes back to the conversation I believe we had last week where I had mentioned that part of the reason why that this phenomenon, if you will, happens is because nowadays there are such platforms where not only can you get your voice heard and heard potentially globally, but then you also get immediate feedback. Uh, and that's not something that was even really, except for like chat rooms, but it's, 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 yes, this is the global chat room, if you will. You you didn't get it to this level where not just have a global platform, but you have a platform where media can see you, uh, Mm. notable people, quote unquote, can see you. And then not only can people see this and react to it, but things may actually change or happen for you based on the fact that you you've put that out there and i know people who have built whole ass careers based on just complaining online Ooh, facts and facts. and we all we all do actually and and we may or may not know who those people are we may or may not say names but but they but they exist and so i think i think again it's just i i don't fault the platform for it um whatever that platform may be i'm not talking about twitter specifically because i do fault them for a lot of things but um i don't fault the the tool essentially like i don't think the internet for example is inherently evil i just think that to your point that there is just a lot of negativity because that's the easiest road um Mm -hmm. it's the thing that sells and it's the thing that more people jump on like I mean, this is a common joke about that they say about women that I, for me anyway, it's true. But like, don't ask your girl what she wants to eat because she's never going to have an answer. But if you ask me what I don't want to eat, I could tell you all day. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want Chinese food and I don't want this and I don't want that. But like, when you ask me what I want to eat, I'm just like, I don't know. But then the minute you come home with something, I'm going to eat your food. So <laughs> it's, 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 these it's, are all true things. It, listen, and somebody might be like, that's not true about me. I know. Well, that's you. 
I'm talking about yeah. myself. Um, yeah. it, it just seems like like the, the negative aspects. I've ever dated. <laughs> the negative aspects of stuff seems just to be easier to grasp than the than the positive. So, um, but at the same time, Ben, I mean, like people should have a place where they can voice their opinions, whether they agree or disagree with things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course, unless you're talking about like being a Nazi or something like that, then I, I don't want to hear it. Mm. And no, I fully agree. And like we were talking before the show about the whole cancel culture and everything. And I know this week, a big thing to drop was the when they see us film on Netflix directed by, you know, everyone's favorite. Don't call me auntie. Ava DuVernay. <laughs> And, you know, cinematography by HU's own, my brother, you know, friend, friend of the show, Bradford Young. Yes. And, you know, right away, I saw everyone reacting to the film and just talk about how incredible it was, the performances by the various actors, everything, Ava, you know, just top to bottom, how dope. And I'm like, And it's, oh, and it's actually a miniseries, so it's several mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, I call it a film because, you know, it's still like a, it's still a long film, basically. basically. You know, I, yeah, you yeah. know, it's, it was a, it's split up, but whatever. So, um, like that other show, uh, which I did not F with on uh, Netflix, it's Bruno, is like 15 minute episodes. And people tell me when you watch all of it, it's like a two hour movie. And I was like, okay, but yeah. Anyway, back to when they see us. And I just couldn't watch it because. I've had my own experiences with prison and being imprisoned, and I know the story of the Central Part 5. We actually had them on the Combat Jack Show. Well, we had one member of them on the Combat Jack oh, Show wow. when I was there. Yeah. And that. so, oh, yeah, this is something that we've been talking about for years now. You know, we've known about this. A lot of people have known the story. And there's a lot of traumatic black history that I understand a lot of people don't know about. And it, you know, comes out in various ways. I saw recently someone talk about the Philadelphia move bombing. And a lot of people don't know about that, you know. And that's when they bombed the city block. The police bombed a city block in Philadelphia because this organization organization mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. was there. And mm-hmm. so they burned out all these people, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people don't know about these stories, you know, about Black Wall Street. I saw another one about i think it was in central it was upper west side where black people used to have something and you know i didn't know about that one so it's just all these stories that we all don't know about but sometimes i'm not ready to deal with all of them and that's just a personal choice and i feel like we can all have that personal choice to be like yo you know i can't take in too much traumatic experience right now because i'm not ready for it at this moment right and that's within your right like you know, I, I never want anybody to feel pressure that they have to watch something because it feels like everyone is saying to watch it. But I think mm-hmm. to your point, it's also very important that you protect your energies and you protect uh, yourself from, from like if, if there's something that's traumatic or triggering that is really an issue and you just don't want that in your life, I understand you not wanting to see it. And it's not a slight on, if we're talking about when they see us specifically, it's not a slight on Ave, it's not a slight on anyone involved. It's as you shared, you have a certain history that you, that this, this is, it's difficult for you to watch stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And understandably so. I mean, you, you have a whole, you know, ex- uh, several, you know, uh, encompassing experiences that put you much closer to this than, than some others. Um, mm-hmm. There are some people who are also in the same boat as you, but they, they were able to watch it anyway. Um, and then, you know, but I think that's because for them, they were comfortable and, I think that's important that people really 
just do things that that I think you put it best. You say to to really watch what you're ingesting. Um, and and I don't mean that in terms of food or drink. I mean that in terms of what you're ingesting in entertainment, what you're ingesting to your mind, what you're ingesting into your heart, or bringing or allowing into your heart. Because not everything is for everybody. Mm-hmm. And. It's like, it's not just, it goes with anything too, because even on the Castle Black show this year, we rewatched all the Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones is filled with a lot of violence, a lot of violence against women, a lot of just distrusting stuff. And this time when I was rewatching it, a lot of times I just fast forwarded through scenes of that nature because I was like, I don't need to see this. I couldn't deal with Theon being tortured again. Mm -hmm. I barely could deal with that the first time. Mm -hmm. And I just would always just fast forward through it. Like this season, when I rewatched it, I just fast forwarded through every scene of that. I did not see one second of that, any of that stuff, because I know the story that happened because of it and I don't need to see it again. And, and that's that's something I also don't watch again because it was hard the first time and I, I definitely don't want to relive it. Yep. But the other side of this that we were talking about earlier is also this whole cancel culture, you know, that comes out of Twitter when and how quick it with social media now people are to react to things when it just immediately gets popping and then someone says something stupid and everyone has to have their point. And I was actually watching this week I was watching uh, the David Letterman. He dropped his new specials, uh, his new episodes on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And he has an interview with Kanye West. And I go into it, you know, I'm like, oh, all right, you know, what's Kanye going to you know. And I hadn't heard anybody talking about it yet because everybody's like really peeping when they see us and also always be my maybe, which I also peeped and I mean, love top to bottom. Oh, my God. Like, so good. <laughs> and like, um... When I was watching the Kanye West joint, I'm like, this man is saying some things that made sense. Now, he also is the same man who said slavery was a choice. And everyone immediately was like, yo, he's done. And I even remember for a few weeks, I even saw other DJs talking about this, how they were like, yo, I played Kanye and people booed. But I did a party the other day for uh, graduation from high school. And these kids, I played it for them. You know, they were like, yo, Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. You know... It, yes, it depends on the person. It depends on the yep. age. It depends on what knowledge they have of mm-hmm. the artist in, in the case of Kanye. And sometimes it doesn't matter what knowledge they have. They either rock with him or they don't. I understand. And I, again, maybe I'm the dichotomy person in the show. But like, I understand why cancel culture is so subversive in a very, very negative way. But I mm-hmm. also understand why certain times it happens. Kanye is an interesting example because he says something. It's like at, at some point, at one point, you may say or do something that's irreversible. Like you can never take that back. And yep. you may or may not do the good deeds and be the good person in life that that may that you try, you know, whatever you do to, that that may or may not outweigh it. But there's just certain things you say and do that you will lose people forever. And saying things like Savy was a choice is one of those things. Now someone could turn around and argue, well, he didn't articulate his full expression appropriately or he didn't really explain what he really meant and you could do all that but you have to understand as a person who has the access that he has has the money that he has has the platform that he has when you say things like that and you say it intentionally you say it and 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 you more or less double down just when you you when you do these things you are going to lose people period Mm -hmm. and 
I don't blame people for for canceling him for stuff like that. And whether or not that that clouds whether or not they can hear him later on in life, I mean that's that's on the person. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. like be like, well, give him a chance. I'm like, no. If he says something like how we talking about, be careful what you be careful what you ingest when it comes to stuff. Yep. If someone says something that's just just out of this world, completely against your soul, you're not gonna necessarily give them another chance. Mm. And I can see so- why if someone hears this guy who's supposed to be one way saying stuff like slavery is, you know, was a choice that could be hurtful beyond that is and can be hurtful beyond measure. It is, it, it has lasting effects beyond measure because of his stature in society. So I understand people saying, oh, I'm done with him. Now, if he turns around for the next few years and becomes this activist and this and that, and he's not, and he's not saying this wild shit, maybe people will change. I don't know. And maybe people won't. He can definitely get no play at the Tea with Queen and Jay Juneteenth party this year, I guess. Absolutely not. None. None at all. Uh, shout out to both of them. I'll be in the house for that at the Juneteenth. That's uh, Wednesday, the 19th of June. That's when my show and- is. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, I'm going to have to be moving around that day, I guess. I'm going to have to be making major moves. I'm, you know, so yeah, hey, you know, that's we'll what. We'll figure it out. That's what the Uber and the train is for, folks. We will make it happen. Um, but on the other side of that, back to when they see us, the other thing is, you know, I see all coming out of that. I, like I said, I haven't even watched it yet, but I see that people are canceling this woman, Linda Fairstein, who is one of the prosecutors of the Central Part 5. Fucker. And has books on all kinds of stuff. out. And see, on that side, hey, salute. See? You know, that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean... And that's what I, my point to you is and why I mentioned dichotomy because yeah there there's a there's a situation and a, a different situation where you're just like point blake cancel her cancel culture you wearing cancel culture hats and shit for her i mean come on you were one of the process i i cancel most prosecutors off top See? you know what i mean See? like they look if you're a criminal prosecutor that's a woo because the criminal justice system in america you know let's not go svw on here but yeah or i mean not svw <laughs> <laughs> wow wow yeah. svu right yeah SVW. for the record ben i not- mean this this woman she actually resigned from the uh, board of directors for safe horizon so it's oh. the, tw- twitter is real y'all <laughs> it, <laughs> milkshake duck <laughs> twitter is real. oh my god so i just learned what that term milkshake duck means ben i mean yes. taught me that term and basically it was based it's a meme of a meme which basically states how basically it's all about things that uh, initially it's like the best thing it's everyone loves it and then not a short time later, but a short time later, you find out it's it's terrible. Um, yes. And this happened this week with um, a guy that was working at a hotel who was called the N-word, the ER, on the phone um, by a, a patron or whatever you want to call them. Not a patron, a guest. Um, then this person shows up. They're begging to get into the hotel because the rest of their family's at the hotel. And the guy is like... Um, well, the best Westerners next door, this is above me. Basically his way of saying, I can't do anything about it. This is just how it is. You decided to call me and word ER and I'm not dealing with you. And everyone, including myself, was all about it. And this is, and, and again, this is like 9 a.m., right? 
nine something like that everyone at work on the commute to work all about it cheering him on saying oh we're not gonna let nothing happen to you we got you da 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 and rooting for him because his manager stood by him so great so great someone of course goes into his history of twitter and finds some severely and violently home uh, transphobic tweets specifically and it's not like one or two it's threads <laughs> of litany. transphobic tweets. And when it was brought to him, like when he was interrogated about it, like, yo, what's this about? He was triple down. Basically, he was just like, yeah, I said that. And mm-hmm. I still feel the same. Yep. And the tweets were from like, I think starting from like 2017 and, and coming up. But like as even as 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 recent as last week or two, like he had said something. So immediately I was just like, damn. <laughs> There goes that saying. Like literally, sun up, sun up. You the hero, sun down. You the villain. Like damn. Didn't live long that at all, boy. Man, Batman timeline is accelerated these days. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just we. I say all that to say this. Be careful, y'all. Like I, yes. I, I've, I keep. I don't know. And I'm the one who who's always talking about be careful on the internet. But even I got caught up in it. I just just have to learn to really, really be cautious. Because you never know you like, and it's so sad. It has to be that way, but like the same tool that gives you access and, and lets you see all of these ideas and opinions, you really got to interrogate what people are saying and interrogate the people themselves mm. because the things that, Oh, the things that I've read. Yeah. This unacceptable, uh, completely unacceptable. And that's, you know, I just, Lately, you know, I don't really read too much on Twitter. I just trying to go on, you know, have to say my little positive things and then keep it moving. Today, I was talking about some shoes I bought, you know, other than that, you know, some comics <laughs> I've been reading. And then I'm out of there because I like, sitting there, you know, attacking people or bigging up people like that when it's random things and I don't know anything about them yet. It's just, you know, it's whatever, you know, I'm just to keep it moving and say what I got to say and, you know, do what I got to do. And shout out to everybody who does everything. But like I said, just be very careful. Be careful what you take in and be careful what you put out, yeah. you know, and keep listening to this show because we're going to bring you knowledge, peace and wisdom, as well as all that geek talk. And some ignorance, and, too. That's what we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we do. And, you know, we're about to have all that before we get out of this, you know, segment right here. We got to say, I mean, after the break, we got some fire for you right here. Ooh, do it. You know, I mean, and I saw somebody shout out to, I think it was King Wizard. Yep. Who was like, yep. yo, I would like to have Miss Logan Larice, Miss Logan Browning on the show to talk about the perfection. And I was just sitting there like, oh, well, you know, maybe y'all, maybe you might just want to be keep listening and, you know, we'll be right back after this break. Hey guys, it's Allison Williams. I'm an actor. And when I am not scaring people on screen, I am hanging out with For All Nerds and listening to their show. Hey guys, this is Rod and Karen of the Blackout Tales podcast. And when we aren't doing one of our many podcasts, yes, we are listening to For All Nerds. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Real Life Kaz. And when I'm not keeping it tight on Flagrant 2, I am with the For All Nerds show. My guy, Ben Amin, Jeff, Tatiana, everybody in the, in the spaceship. Is it spaceship? Mothership? Black ship? White spaceship. Ship? Spaceship. I said spaceship first. On the blood clot ship. On the blood clot ship, man. <laughs> Lord of mercy. 
And welcome back, y'all. Tonight on The Spaceship, we have a very special guest, the lead in the hit, soon to have a third season series, Dear White People, as well as one of the stars in the new Netflix film, The Perfection, a native of Atlanta, Georgia, who might even be more woke in real life than her character of Samantha White. Let's all make some noise for Logan Browning tonight. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Also, there's no way on earth I'm more woke than Sam. Like, she spends all of her time trying to be woke. Yo, super, super woke. Like, like Sam be killing me sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, chill. Chill, right. Sam. And I'm pretty bad, but... <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, we'll get into Dear White People in a second, but we are here to talk about The Perfection, your new film on netflix which i actually just watched okay. again this morning and yeah um yeah. all right <laughs> yeah, yeah it was a good morning um we've warmed all of our <laughs> listeners to watch the film before they listen to this interview because it's like it's kind of impossible to discuss it you know without spoiling it right yeah talking about the film is a complete spoiler when allison and i were kind of doing a press tour before the film came out we were just like um we play the cello uh <laughs> Literally all we can tell you. <laughs> what was your first thought when you read the script? Um, I I really loved the script because I hadn't read anything that um, really confused me like that in a while. And I I just I loved that early on in the script, you know, and we're, we're spoiling, right? If, if you're listening oh, yeah, to go, go full on. Yeah, full on. <laughs> Okay, early on in the script, when um, Lizzie chopped her hand off, I just I couldn't fathom how this story was gonna recover from that or keep going. And then it did, and it just took all these turns. And um, I I loved it. I loved that the character was fully developed, and that I on the page she didn't read as any particular label, and I saw how cool that I feel like I could insert myself into this story and how amazing would it be for people to see someone who looks like me in that story because usually you don't see, you know, brown girls in this kind of storytelling and, you know, brown girls and brown people and all people like this genre. So um, I love that. And then I sat down with Richard. I, it was literally, I think, the last day of filming for Dear White People Season 2. And it was right before we went to film that morning and I met Richard for breakfast and we just really got along. I loved his, um, his vision, at least orally. Like I, I was really on board. Um, and then at the end of the day, I was pleasantly surprised because he had really specific, um, his vision is very specific in terms of his, uh, inspiration, and so he really recommended, you know, for Allison and I to go watch The Handmaiden and Old Boy because he's mm. such a fan of and I remember watching that film being like, oh, what is me at <laughs> hell? I loved it. Like, oh my god. And, um, yeah, I, I, one of the, I, I wish people could actually go read the script to see how great the script is on its own and how much Richard actually adapted it to be he wanted it to be mm, that's crazy because i'm a writer myself and i was we talked to allison before and i was like yo i would love to read this script because it's i just want to see how he did it you know like how did 
it dipped because I love, you know, script to screen and how it works. And so I just want to see, okay, what, how is this described? How is this scene done? You know, what was the thought into each little scene? Because, yeah, even rewatching it today, it, it gets to me, you know, in certain scenes I knew were coming yeah. and it's still like, oh, you know, uh, like, well, yeah. I learned that Richard, so he got the idea for the movie from literally being sick on a bus mm. um, out of the country. So that's where the, you know, the, the script and the story didn't originate from the ending, which I think the the common idea is to think, oh, you know, the storyteller wanted to tell this revenge story, and so then they made things come before it. No, the bus was the nucleus that then stemmed this other crazy octopus, you know, from it. And, um, like, the other thing that's really cool about, and I, I also love script the screen, the other thing that's really cool is if you look at the script, there are certain devices that Richard uses that some people might think of as gimmicky, but I think of as very just specific to the art form that he wants to tell. So, like, in the script, there is no rewind. You know, it's literally just jump cut from uh, moment to moment, mm-hmm. which actually, like, even for the smartest viewer, could probably get confusing mm-hmm. if it were jump cutting like that. And then the chapters. The chapters were something that Richard added that I originally also was like, I don't know about this, and at the end of the day, I love the chapters. The film is going into so many different genres, it actually helps you to stay on board with that idea, you know? Mm. And I, I didn't even think about it like that. I was more thinking of the chapters as in uh, a homage to, like, Kill Bill, where it's a revenge story and right. they had the chapters in it. So, yeah, it works yeah. on a lot of levels. Right. That's, that is so dope. All right. When we're first introduced to Lizzie, she seems to be, like, all the way under Anton's spell. And Charlotte, like, asked her, would she leave willingly? And Liz is like, nah, I'm good, you know? So how far gone is she at that point to you? Um, I mean, it makes me really sad when I think about it because for me, when I think about uh, my application to Lizzie, it, it, it plays on so many levels. Um, unfortunately, like, Lizzie really is brainwashed and... Um, it's hard when I think about that because, you know, the film is this horror, horror genre, but then there, you know, it also deals with really sensitive subject matter, um, which I think is fascinating. And it, this genre allows you to get into that stuff, that, those discussions. But um, Lizzie is like, you know, when she reveals later, she's blind to it. She, she has been so conditioned, which usually happens to people, you know, when they're captive in something, usually they have no idea what they're really being subjected to. You know, early on, it probably alarmed her and and disturbed her. But when you imagine that these young people were away at a conservatory from their parents and that they they are being pushed to be the best, and you know, to to leave would be to lose. Um, you um, like those when you're in that situation, a young person, any person, can convince themselves that this is the way it's supposed to be because you're, you trust, right? You trust your the people who are in charge. I, I know I, I've always thought like I could trust people who are um, supposed to be in, in charge and, and sometimes they let me slash us down. So she's, she's deep in it, which is why, and as crazy as it seems for Charlotte to 
convinced Lizzie to chop her hand off. So that's why the measure is so drastic is because she's not, she's, there's, there's no way you, you can't, you can't just tell someone something like that. Sometimes when you say things flat out, they completely push away. They dismiss it. They don't want to hear it, which Lizzie actually still does even after getting her hand chopped off, which mm-hmm. is also insane. Um, but I also think of it in a really poetic way because her Lizzie's body body was mutilated by these quote unquote teachers, and in order and and they 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 damaged a part of her, and it's almost like a rebirth for her to let part of it go um, to get to try to like expel some of that um, trauma that they physically enacted on her. Um, so I think it works on multiple levels. Oh, it definitely does, and that's something else I wanted to touch on is. We don't really see, okay, we see uh, Charlotte's parent or mom, you know, at the end of her illness, and we see the new prodigy, the young child, her parents, or her mom, very briefly. But we don't really even see Lizzie's parents, do we? No, yeah, and that all came, you know, that was a personal backstory that, you know, as an actor, you end up developing. Mm-hmm. Um, just based, you know, you just decide, you know, where this person from, and, and how did they end up in this situation, and um, I mean, I like keeping my little actor secret, but <laughs> and Paloma were definitely, you know, in Lizzie's eyes, the, the guardians that she had. So for, for me, in, in terms of making it really authentic, they, they were kind of her end all be all and there wasn't much else for her to go back to, which mm. is also dangerous. And, um, which is why I, I in, in terms of thinking about, like, social causes that are near and dear to my heart, um, missing brown, Latino, poor children mm. that get runaways and then end up in sex trafficking because the police decided that they were runaways because they were falling into those categories instead of making them a missing child, which then would get them an Amber Alert. Um, mm. that's, it's like the children who get lost and who end up in these um, these really terrifying, terrible situations because of who they are in the system. And that is wild because I, you know, I've always thought about Amber, especially when Amber Alerts first started popping, you know, it became this big thing. And you noticed that they would only send out Amber Alerts for certain children. And, you know, you're like, well, what's that about? You know, why doesn't this kid who's been missing get an Amber Alert? But this one did. And that that's wild because I was good. Go ahead. Well, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking about how, you know, if Lizzie has parents, you know, if she has black parents, they're going to be really up on it. You know, they're not going to just like, yo, but also the other flip side of that is if she didn't or didn't have good parents or whatever, then, you know, if she fell into the cracks, she would fall into the cracks. Like you said, the police aren't going to come looking for her. Yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily Lizzie's story. That's not the, like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't make it the missing person. I just, in general, like, the, the backstory I have for Lizzie has to do with, being a child in the system and the fact that these are her parents and and then just talking about children who are lost in the system how how they end up not having someone they can really trust and those are children and those are stories that don't often get heard because they just don't and um it's sad because they exist and um yeah <laughs> well that's wild because you already answered one of my next yeah I'm oh, sorry. No, you already answered one of my next questions was that 
is Lizzie looking for her parents in Anton and Paloma? Because it's like, even after, you know, she loses her arm, she still goes back. And it's like, damn, what is it going to take? You know, does she need, or is it just, this is like you said, this is all she has. Yeah, though, that's why um, when Lizzie is with Anton and Paloma, I mean, when you see Lizzie, when you first meet her, she seems like a woman, right? She seems womanly. And she's mm-hmm. like but then when you see her with Anton and Paloma, she's a very childlike quality. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, she feels very whiny and very needy because um, it, that's the relationship that has developed over the years. Um, so, yeah, they are all she has, which is why... You know, it it it's so devastating to her. Like in that moment, it's not actually devastating as devastating that she can no longer play the cello. Like what really is driving her is her desire for love and her desire for family. And um, the cello was the catalyst to having a family. With being really good means she can stay, means she can have family. If she's not really good and she can't stay, then she's lost. And so she thought that they loved her enough as a cello that she kind of proved her worth and that her worth was more than just playing this instrument. But unfortunately, she found out, like Charlotte took her, you know, they've never loved you. And, and when you need them, they won't be there for you. And, and that is the realization because... A lot of times people fall in love with us because of the things we do and not who we are and what we and, and or who we can be. And that's a it's a traumatic awakening to find out that there are people who only want you around because you have something that they need or want. Mm. No, and that, that scene really when she goes back and they turn her away, that scene crushed me. I mean the whole movie, it, there's so many different forms of trauma in this movie, you know, and it just hits you on certain levels, you know, different things. But also in that scene, I just got to give you, you know, props for when you were like, because she's a jealous bitch, it just hits so hard. And even then, <laughs> I'm like, yo, is, you know, is it really, is, you know, is Charlotte really just a jealous bitch? You know, I'm it, the movie keeps, you know, making you question people's motives so well, you know, and that, just that line, you just hit it so hard. Like, I was crying there's some fun lines like i think that's part of the fun of this movie is there are parts of the movie that are taken seriously because of the subject matter and then there are parts of the movie that are there for the good time and it's like i've seen the film in a few theaters with audiences and that line always gets a laugh and i don't even remember to be honest saying it like that but i just think like falling so deep into this story and really trying to tell the truth it ends up actually being kind of sometimes grounded and then sometimes just erratic and that was definitely one of those moments where it's just like (laughs) for this ball to the wall at this point <laughs> no, I loved it because it it like again it hits on so many different levels because it's like Allison everyone knows from Get Out and Girls so it's like those two things are like you know jealous like, bitch yeah. you know it just it's like yeah of course you know <laughs> like of course you're gonna hate me you know like oh that was just fantastic um okay but another thing is there's a lot of different themes in this film like we said. And one of the major ones that hit me was, like, the idea of loss. Like, Lizzie, you know, she's at the top of the world when everything she has is just taken away from her. But at the same time, the world she knows is just a horrible, horrible lie. Was 
that something that drew you in and like how did you relate to that? Um, I think that you know, right around when we um when we started working on the script in terms of sitting down and kind of collaborating on any edit, um, that's when the Larry, when Larry Nassau was on trial. And um, it all kind of, it, it always was really authentic and something to me, but that's really when it um, sank in that this level of um, torment in these worlds that we hold to higher standards actually exist and um, and something about that really kind of um, encouraged me to pursue continue to deeply pursue um, what it would be like to be in this world and 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 not just that world but honestly anyone all, all of us wear masks you know and, and there, there are times when things are going on in your life that you just kind of hide and that is a world that is masking to the extreme because the world is intended to be classical and beautiful. And when we think about classic, you you know, you think about the beauty, you think about the tragic, you think about the beauty of earth. And that's what the that's what that world wants to portray. Um, I remember when we were even uh, when we were doing the costuming for Lizzie, I was trying on a bunch of different outfits and um, when it came time for me to wear the outfit for when Lizzie goes home, uh, the first sweatshirt I pulled on was this red, white, and blue sweatshirt. Mm. And I looked in the mirror and got immediately emotional and said, this is it. It's, it's because when I see this sweatshirt, I'm immediately reminded of the gymnast and that elitist world where they were, they were being abused and um, felt like they couldn't tell anyone and felt and were convinced that this was a part of their training. Mm. Wow. And then it's like, once again, like even like you said, like the classical music and the world of classical music, you know, it has this aura and this veneer of being all clean and lily and everything in its place and perfection. But like even classical music and, you know, everything that comes with it, the culture and the history of it is built on a lot of stuff that's pretty dark, you know, involving people of color and involving just what the world's history is about. So, you know, it's like, once again, this stuff works on a lot of different levels and I'm just glad that you were thinking on all that and touching on all that doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all embedded in there. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. One thing that hit me like, Okay, I'm also not, I'm a writer and I'm also I was I'm a been a DJ for most of my life. And so when you cut off your own arm, you know, it just it it devastated me. Like that, you know, like I said there's a lot of different trauma and I think different things in this film will hurt different people on different levels, but that scene was I I couldn't deal with it. And then even you back at home, you know, and Anton's like, what happened to your arm? And just everything that comes with that was just so rough for me sitting in a the theater. But what was it like shooting that scene? Um, I mean, it honestly was really tricky because the actual act of, um, of slamming down with the cleaver was, um, all, it's all CGI. So I only had a little wooden, um, a kind of little wooden piece 
in my hand that had no uh, no blade attached. And I remember, because I would be so in the moment every take, I would kind of go all the way down to the point where my knuckles were like touching the the rock. And Richard kept, <laughs> kept saying, "You can't, you can't do that. It's there's a cleaver attached. Like you have to stop at a certain point." because we're going to CGI this cleaver. And I just remember that being so complicated for me because, you know, you're trying to suspend your disbelief and really lose yourself in a moment, and yet, you know, I'm dealing with CGI bugs, so obviously I can't see, and this CGI cleaver that I can't see, and um, that part of it just gets really complicated. So you really just end up starting to sort of, um, relinquish yourself to your 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 childlike imagination and and really just try to play as much as possible. <laughs> I mean that's a weird thing to play at, but you once again were selling that shit because it it definitely does not look <laughs> like you're just chopping at nothing. You know it really you know but all like that and the final fight scene are very visceral. You know you feel everything in this film it's like you know it doesn't shy away from the violence at all and right that, yeah and, oh. Oh, yes i mean that's a part of the that's a part of the genre right like you you want to you want to think into this story and then you want to see the revenge and it's fullest and um that that tangible feeling while you're watching i mean whether you're watching whether you're itching watching lizzie with the bugs whether you're you know, feeling restful watching um, Lizzie and Charlotte's journey as in their relationship, whether that is feeling catharsis as Anton is being really mutilated. Like, that's all why we love the thrill of the horror genre. It's the same reason you get on a roller coaster knowing you're going to have your um, gut tossed is because you like it. Like, you signed up for it. Mm. <laughs> and it brings all of that in spades for real. Um Speaking on that towards the ending, how far, and just also in general, like with Lizzie, when a moment that really bugged me out is when Charlotte's, you know, tied up and Lizzie's like, yo, no, I want first. And the other teachers just go along with it like Lizzie has done this before. So in your mind, was Lizzie already at that level of it? Is she just completely gone? I absolutely not. That If I had let, absolutely not. If I had let Lizzie in my mind, be an abuser as well. I don't mm. think I kept playing this character. Mm. Um, I, I don't doubt that that's possible because it's a vicious cycle, but that is not... I think that would have been, like, if that moment obviously wasn't staged, mm -hmm. that would have been the first time Lizzie ever was in that position because she was still the victim, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and or she was still the survivor. So in that moment, it... Oh, it was I with Lizzie. I was playing it up because we we actually discussed this the, the idea of the the um, other teachers being um, they you know drug we drug them with their drinks mm -hmm. and that and get someone's heartbeat racing with the kind of poison that we've given them that it would um, escalate the the effects. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie could be super super. Um, salacious and sexual and saying that she knew would get their heart racing mm. would accept the process. So that was the whole idea behind that. Wow. Yeah, and I was just thinking that because like you said, even if definitely if she's not 
you know, abuser, you know, the other teachers would be like, oh, okay, she's getting down. She's all the way in. Let's see this. You know, and then, of course, you know, they want to see it because they're gross. And, yeah, that, okay, that definitely, yeah. Um, And then, like, the very ending, it seems to have a not-so-subtle message in how you get your revenge. Like, Anton is forced to listen to the two of you play. He's unable to voice his opinion or, or, like, even give you a disapproving eye. Like, is this the fuck the critics moment? Wait, say it again? <laughs> Wait, <yeah. laughs> okay, so at the ending, um, Anton is like, he's forced to listen to the two of you play. You know, he's unable to voice right. his opinion or even give you a disapproving eye. So is this like a fuck the critics moment? Um, It's not to critics. It's to the abusers of the world. Mm. It's very you know, that he... Um, I, I mean, the the thing about the film is that that final act is the shortest act of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I think to some people to say, because when you are dealing with this sensitive subject matter of sexual violence um, and rape, uh, it it's often used as a plot point, but sometimes people want to see the, the after, you know, carrying on after how we deal with that, how you recover from it, et cetera. Um, so I think that for the movie's sake, that final shot is supposed to be a lasting one um, because he's forced to listen to women. He's forced, he's, his power is taken from him. Um, it, 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 it's a, it, it serves as a, um, a longer effect in a film that, you know, is, is 90 minutes and, and is wrapping up this storyline. It, it serves as, a, as a, long, a longer lasting effect, as well as the two women in their duet and the fact that women sticking together, standing up for each other, um, supporting each other when one person voices that they've been abused, and not just women, people in general, sticking, standing up for each other. Um, it, that, that all is, is intended to... Uh, is intended to be an extended uh, kind of a, a poetic moment, you know, past that final shot. Mm-hmm. When I was watching it again today, I was even thinking that my idea was in my head was that after that, they would keep the conservatory going and keep bringing in students, but, you know, teaching them and, you know, doing what is right and then keeping his punk ass, you know, just stuck in the basement for the rest of all time. As you know, as long as they yeah. Into. In the Disney version, Lizzie and Charlotte get married, <laughs> and they open the conservatory. It's like an open air conservatory. It's not some dark building. You're like they're like in an open amphitheater, only run by women. Everyone can play to their heart's content. You know, day hours. No one's sleeping over. Like it's a very <laughs> different. And they don't, you know, they don't go to jail for these murders that they committed. I mean, like, where are these bodies? Yeah, no, no. Everybody just left. You know, what are you talking about? Like. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't think anybody would ever like visit that place like that anyway. So I don't think you know anybody even knew those dudes were probably there. So they burn it to the ground. You yeah. know, I, actually, oh my god, the most, some of the most fun I had was discussing things like this with Richard and the possibilities of how it ends. And um, I remember nose diving into something about burning the house and like you know we. We constantly discuss where where Shelley is doing, and and at the end of the day, it's just like this is a ninety minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> Got to wrap it up. This is the best 
possible, most powerful way to end, and it was. Mm-hmm. No, I, I thought it was brilliant because, like you said, it just – it took all his power away from him. Like I said, he couldn't even look you at you crazy. You know, he just had to sit there and fucking listen. Like, there's no, you know, that's it. That's all you got, bro. Like, nothing else for you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Oof, yeah. <laughs> to not get so dark for a second. Um, Something that, you know, we at the show just love about you is that you're someone who puts your money and your mind, like, behind your mouth. Like, you... You know, you take roles that mean something, that have something to say, but then you also, in real life, like, back it up. Like, do you ever worry about your voice affecting your career? And, like, where did that sense of morality come from? Um, I don't ever worry about that because uh, I just have always been at the forefront of political movement and um, culture changing through our form of our policy changes. When people see things, then they can emulate them. So, um, and and be uh, supported by this art. So, it to me, it's a, it's a very natural um, relationship, and I I don't find it um, compromising to my career. If anything, I find it an aid because it it does provide me that moral compass of. Um, what are the lasting effects of this project? Should I be a part of it? Not for me, but for the world. Mm-hmm. And um, my personal moral compass comes from my parents. I just I had the best, most amazing parents, and they, they raised me to be someone who cares about someone other than herself. And that, at the end of the day, to me, like the most important thing in an activist is is just challenging the status quo when anyone in the world is being um, endangered by it, which is constantly, all the time, always. There will never not be a day where we all need to be an activist. So, mm. it, yeah. No, I mean, preach. Like, even when Dear White People debuted, I know you and, you know, Justin and everyone involved, you know, you caught some flat from people who wondered how you could name a show Dear White People. And it's like, since then... (laughs) I mean, but it's like, since then, you can make a show and call it a lot of other words, white people, you know, like, and people would just have to eat it because, yeah, go. Sam, Sam, in the movie, I mean, obviously, this movie, I mean, this movie was a movie in 2014. It's like, people get up in arms when it goes to Netflix, but it existed. And Sam addresses that early on in the film, if you care enough, you take a watch and see, like, she literally says, um, America, let, you know, we don't need a, a dear black people. America is that, and it lets us know exactly what it means to us. Mm. So, you know, it's, and then the, the outside of the fact that um, it is a title, and the title, the, what the actual content matter of the show is the title, and the title's a it's not it isn't some um, anti-white uh, show or title that wants to exclude people. Um, it's almost an invitation to white people slash everyone to insert themselves into the world of a few African-American students and how they navigate this world, which is a microcosm or the world of 
um, and Ivy League school, but these are microcosm of America, is that they can then empathize with and um, be champions for those people in the world. It, it, for, for someone to want to not um, or, or be against the title means that they are actually a part of the problem. And if someone were to be, uh, if a white person specifically were to be upset about the title of your white people, I would just look at them and say slavery. And I feel like you, you, you literally can't tell me that <laughs> I so can't exist. You know, can't tell me. Slavery. <laughs> just say that. Just one word. Like, that's it. Like, no. Right. Chill, Holmes. Um, (laughs) And uh, the Sam, okay, I got to ask you then, does Sam ever get on your nerves? Like, does she go too far for you? That's a complicated question because when you play, you have to, you know, you have to constantly feel compassion towards them, which is a great, everyone should be an actor because the truth of the matter is in order to, be a compassionate person in life, you must first find compassion for yourself. And in order to do that for characters that's being written for you, where you're forced to look at their flaws and yet still accept them and find compassion in your heart for them because you're playing them, I mean, that that is such a such a meta moment for, for anyone if you want to be an actor. But I, I don't, um, I'm not like annoyed or frustrated with Sam because he's figuring it out like the rest of us. And I feel like too often brown women are speaking um, we have always been the, 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 the strong maternal figures or the, the woman who's been degraded throughout time. It's like now is the day we're forced to be um, perfect or seemingly perfect, and if we're not, then we're scrutinized. And I feel like Sam being an, um, an imperfect brown woman is a protest and radical in itself because... She is just like every other young woman in America. I mean, black women specifically in America are, or black girls specifically in America are automatically seen in the, um, the system's eye as older. Like people, mm. people like, you know, young black girls have um, more maturity and experience. And sometimes that's why when um, young black girls are abused or assaulted, um, they don't get that same media attention because the media doesn't use them in a different way. And so people, the Sams of the world and young girls in general deserve to be, you know, live, live, live their naivete. Like they deserve to just exist. And, um, and she's exploring. That's literally what college is for. You would watch any other college series and watch the, you know, the titular character make mistakes and have flaws. And you would just think, Oh, that's just, you know, a part of college. But, when it's a brown girl, you're like, damn it, Sam, why can't you get it together? I mean, granted, she has privileges, obviously. She's going to an Ivy League school, a white skin black woman. She has a voice with her radio show. Obviously, she's a million privileges, and that can get annoying. And that I do understand as far as I put myself in an audience perspective. But as a person playing her, I just have to accept that she is just learning, just like me. And I will never judge her what she's learning and she was just trying to make the world a better place. I, yo, I love that you said that because even like going back to, you know, Allison and girls, you know, the characters in that show are out of college and they make hella horrible mistakes 
and it's still seen as representation and it's a good show and you know they they grow and they go through and they learn and everything and sam is going through that and she's younger but you know she like you said sometimes catches a much higher burden for herself than you know pretty much every other character on tv yeah, but, like, I don't know if I would necessarily make that, I mean, yes, obviously, yes, but also, I don't know if I can make that, um, like, I necessarily agree, because I do think girls were scrutinized a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I love girls, I think that they might receive scrutiny for, you know, a million different reasons, but, mm-hmm. um, so I don't think that it would be, like, fair to say that this is, like, you know, Sam got more than, you know, girls, but, yeah, to your point, they, they, they're, they're allowed to make more. Um, mistakes and be forgiven. Yeah, and and I love girls. Don't get me wrong. It was you know it's, but they oh yeah they they, they wild out <laughs> like you know that that's where I first you know became such a huge fan of Allison was from girls and I but I used to also be like God damn y'all you know and I live in Brooklyn and I know what Brooklyn's like and it's like but y'all like y'all just chill <laughs> like y'all are out there sometimes. But I mean they're going I, through it's it. So fun to be like, with Allison on tour, on, on this press tour, and, like, hear her kind of talk about it, because um, one of the things I've heard her say is the reason that I think people, um, like, people kind of would not like seeing someone like her character is because they could see themselves mm. in the character. No one wants to see themselves reflected back like that. You know, the characters were really authentic, and no one wants to know that that's actually how the world sees them, which I thought was brilliant today. Mm. No, for real, because definitely, you know, like I said, I lived in Brooklyn at the time and I could see myself, you know, in different ways, in different characters on the show. And I was like, oh, man, you got to do better, Ben. Like, you got to work on yourself, kid. Like, all right. Um, one more. Like, what would your past childhood self think about where you are right now as a person and as an actor? You my past college self? <laughs> yes. What did you think? No, past childhood self. Oh, what is it going Um, Like what my childhood self would say about where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think she'd be proud. I, I, I believe that everything that's happened in my life and the point that I am at now and every possible journey that I will partake on after right now um, is has been willed by God because I'm a woman of faith and I think that my young self would be proud of being so brave and um, of being so resilient because my life hasn't been perfect. It's been pretty awesome, but, you know, not perfect. And there are things that happen in my life that sometimes want to hold me back and I have persevered through them. And, um, I think she'd be proud. Mm, all right. Well, thank you, Logan. You survived the interview segment. But before you go, we have... <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it's not quite over yet. We have our BRAP segment, which is our rapid-fire questions. And are you ready? I'll definitely fail. <laughs> right. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think you'll do okay in this. All right. Uh, number one, Luke Cage or Black Panther? Black Panther. Okay. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Wait, what was the first one? The Wire? Yep. The Wire. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one's hard. Ooh. It is. <laughs> it's because it's young, it's young black boy. Sorry, I got to go. Yep, yeah, The Wire. But yeah, Breaking Bad, I mean, you know, it's a tough one. 
All right. Um, Superman or Batman? Batman. All day. The Dark Knight Rises. All day. Mm. Mm. Yeah, every time I watch that, I'm like, that's not Heath. Like, that's oh. that's just the Joker. Like, he's, yeah. He's, yeah. It, it bugs me out. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I didn't realize I have um, the Dark Knight Rises on Blu-ray and um, DVD. And I'm like, well, why do I have both of these? <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, like, it's like I have the wire, you know, the whole box set, and then I've got it on HBO Go. You know, it's like, well, you know, wherever I need it. Okay, rainy day. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. All right. Um, let's see, Wakanda or Zamunda. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to say Wakanda, but can't wait for that coming to America's equal. Word, word. It's funny, since asking this question, we've started to realize that Zamunda kind of has some, like, patriarchal problems, you know? It's kind of... Oh, dude, it's got lots of problems. If you go back and watch Coming to America, you'll be like, this film could not have released right now. It would have been so upset. Oh, my God. Oh, 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 everyone. I mean, white, black, everyone would be mad. <laughs> yeah. Lord. I mean, I think people probably, I, I actually researched this a little bit, wondering if, like, I did personal research, like, just asking my um, friends who are African or who are, you know, first generation. Mm-hmm. And, like, were you offended by coming to America? And they're like, no, we just kind of, like, it's just kind of silly that people, like, think that. And we just kind of, like, we're, like, we're laughing at you guys, like Americans in general, for mm. thinking that. So I'm like, okay, great, cool. That's funny because I've got a lot of friends who are Ethiopian, and I've been there, and I've I'm, I've asked them about Black Panther. They were super hyped for Black Panther. Like they were like, yo, the theaters were packed, everyone was screaming. You know, they they were like, the only thing they wanted was they wanted it to take place in Ethiopia and not in <laughs> <laughs> what kind? Of... <laughs> yeah. they're like, no, this is real. This should be here. <laughs> Right. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars is because it was on the other day and I was just watching it. <laughs> and I think, I, I think it would have the cutest little thing in the whole wide world. Oh. All right. Um, favorite superhero movie of all time? Uh, oh, all time? Mm hmm. Especially because I love her relationship with um, Monica and Maria and just that whole thing. But Endgame uh, is still my joy. Yeah. yeah. But I lo- and I love Brie as a person, as an actor, everything. So, yeah, I love Captain Marvel. You um, did great, but I, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, no. And I and I loved it because people were so, you know, doubting her. And I thought she killed it. And then it made all the money in the world. And it was just like perfection. So, love yeah. it. Okay. Uh, your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Um, I'm. I wait, 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 wait. Give me some options. 
Um, I'm not gonna be able to pull my hat. New Jack City, uh, Blade, um, Demolition Man. Uh, I'm, I mean, this is don't don't have black cards. Okay, understandable. Yeah, I feel. We, we've been thinking about switching that to favorite Will Smith movie to make him work. No. I failed. It's okay. You don't have to win everything in life. You are allowed to fail. I failed. All right. <laughs> but it's okay. You're still a winner in life. Who is your first geek? You're welcome. Who is your first uh, geek crush? Like TV show, you know, movie, book, even. Yeah. In Family Matters, one thousand percent. Wait, who? Stefan in Family Matters. Oh, when he flipped. Okay. Wow. Yeah, but also then it kind of turned into Steve because I then understood that they were the same person, and I was like, Oh my god, Steve, <laughs> you're Stefan. Like that. So then I, I kind of started to crush on Steve. Uh, it's like when when someone realized that Superman is Clark Kent and starts like Superman Clark Kent. Yes. Too. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. first to say that one but that is a great one and especially how you love steve too afterwards that that's that's perfect okay um in the same any medium like book tv whatever what character's death hurt you the most um rue oh yeah. i was really sad and Amanda was such a, such a sweet little face so like watching her in the movie <laughs> And the book it sucks too, but then watching it in the movie, it was just really sad. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, I that that yeah. No, there's no, no arguing that one. All right. And if you could have uh any one superpower, what would it be? Um, probably either Green Lantern or um Wolverine. Or who is the... <laughs> Wait, who is the second uh, choice? Wolverine. Wow. To do that. Wow, like either be a killing machine <laughs> or create anything you want. Like, mm. <laughs> like I, I just like to, I like to, um, I don't know. I don't want to. I only say Wolverine because my name's Logan, and I just have an affinity for oh. it. <laughs> him but um i don't know i think i am drawn to him because he's really troubled and his, his powers seem to be a, a more of a, a personal challenge than anything mm. okay all right no, i feel that because that's the that's the side of wolverine that i love too is like the dude who's just trying to keep all this in check and you know doesn't want to be the killing machine that he is yeah yeah i, I want that kind of like self-reflection in life mm. But, I mean, that's Wolverine. Yeah. Talk about self-reflection. <laughs> that is that man. <laughs> so, all right. Well, you have survived the BRAP segment. You survived the interview segment. Please let the internets and the For All Nerds fam know where they can find you at. Okay. Well, you cannot find me in person because that would be stalking and I will <laughs> sure 
get a restraining order <laughs> put out against you. But if you just want to follow me online and the things I'm doing, that is at Logan Maurice on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Well, thank you very much. And everyone out there, make sure you check out The Professional. Obviously, you should have checked it out before you listen to this. Otherwise, we spoiled a lot of it for you. But if you haven't, go and watch it anyway. And we'll be right back after this with more of the show. And what's up, Internets? And welcome back to the For All Nerds show. And thank you once again to Logan Browning. For sitting with me, that was amazing. Next time she's in New York, we're going to have to have her in the spaceship proper. Word. You did a great job, Ben, I mean. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I really, you know, I've been doing interviews for a long time, but I really like having a team with me Mm -hmm. every time we do an interview because... You know, then the pressure isn't on me like that. And I ain't gotta, you know, and Miss Logan is a very intelligent young woman. That's what I want to say. Yo, I was like, yo, okay, you know, like bring that heat. You know, she was not, if, if she disagreed with anything I had to say, she let it be known. And I'm always down for that because, you know, that's how thoughts and ideas get transferred across the universe. And that's how y'all get to hear this heat over here. So, right. You know, thank you very much. Make sure you go peep the perfection on Netflix. If you haven't already, we said don't do it. Don't don't listen to that interview. So you should already watch it. You know, if you got this far in the show, you've already watched the perfection. But, you know, you can go watch it again now that you've heard that interview and gain some insight into how it all came together. And I still got to grab my hands on that script so I can read it. I'm about to hit Allison up hard body so we can even get the director on the show, you know, and just do a real big have the triple play right there, you know, three Pete. <laughs> Good job. You like that? Good job. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> thank you very much. Wrap that up real quick. And let's move on to the next segment. You know, one of my favorites of all time. The guac is extra. The geekly asked questions. The guac is extra, where we answer any and all questions, especially those that come from our patreon.com slash for all nerds. Those of a certain tier can ask anything they want, but Anybody else can just hit us up, contact at For All Nerds, or hit us on the Twitters at For All Nerds, on Instagram at For All Nerds, and ask anything you want, geek related or nah. What do we have up first tonight? Up first comes from Picture Me Roland. They write, What's a movie that did bad commercially or critically that you would want a sequel from because you enjoyed it that much? Mine's would be Jumper. I know a lot of people hated it, but I was really feeling the movie. They left it open for a sequel, and Sam Jackson was a great villain. Oh, Picture me rolling. I, I agree with you. I actually like Jumper. Yeah, I did too. And I thought, and I, while it had his issues here and there, it was nothing so glaring that I was like, I hate this. Like, I, I thought the overall structure of the film was fine. I thought the story and the the idea of it, the premise, if you will, was great. So I was into it. So yeah, I would have loved to see a Jumper sequel. The funny thing is, now that he said that, I don't even remember Sam Jack being the villain. I don't, but I remember. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, now that he said, I kind of remember. I can remember when he. Uh, I know it's Anakin who's the um, hero in the movie, and he does a good job. You know, like see, Anakin, Anakin can act. Yeah, it was the kid who. No, is, uh, it what's it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, uh, look, you really uh, don't remember. I, so, you know who it was? It was. It was your boy from. It was your boy from Inception. Um, it was your boy that's also Robin in Batman. Um, 
Ah, I'm so mad. Hayden Christensen. No, it's Hayden Christensen. What? Anakin. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, you know what? His his rival was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, Joseph yes, Gordon-Levitt is the main guy. No, it's Jamie Bell. No, Hayden Christensen. Damn, we don't remember this movie. <laughs> no, no, I do. I, I always talk I, about stars, we like the movie and then don't star, remember shit. It stars uh, Hayden Christensen, Samuel Jackson, and Jamie Bell. And you know what my problem is? That's the I woman. said jumper when I was thinking looper. My bad. Oh, that's I'm thinking no, of looper, looper is Bruce Willis and... um. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, jo- and Jason Gordon loves it. What's yes. Jumper? I'm sorry, Picture Be Wrong. Wow. I effed that up completely. You said Jumper, and I immediately thought Looper. So all no, my see- all my goodwill was for Looper. What's Jumper? Oh, well, no, Looper didn't need a sequel. Cause that, you know, it's, trying to, it's a time travel movie. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, but but, but what's, what's Jumper? All right, wow. Well, Jumper is... <laughs> it's sorry. Stars, <laughs> it stars. I promise I haven't been smoking or drinking. I promise. It stars Hayden Christensen and Anakin, and Samuel Jackson is the villain. And Jumper is about Hayden. He's a he can teleport, what and he f- teleports all around the world. And he's like stealing stuff, and that's how he lives. And Sam is um, hunting him and other people like him who can teleport. Ben, this and, got a fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I can't believe that because yo, Jumper's not that bad, yo. Are you sure? What yeah, I'm sure Jumper is dope. There was like dope ass moments in Jumper. Like at one point, like the, the way he uses the teleporting is ill. At one point, he like throws a bus at Samuel Jackson. That was the shot of the trailer that everybody remembers. See, my movie that I thought I was talking about has 93%. So no, yeah, Looper's a, Looper's <laughs> a classic. I mean, you know, Jumper's not Looper. Don't get me wrong, but Jumper is a solid. Like if you're what on Sunday afternoon, that joint come on TV, you can watch Jumper and not be mad at all. Yeah, fam, I've never seen it wow i cannot believe yeah and i'm looking at the metacritic store and metacritic is 35 or 3.5 it's bad it has like low teens to like 15 percent ron tomatoes one and a half from roger ebert samuel jackson has white hair in this movie don't want it (laughs) next question next question (laughs) wait oh we didn't even answer the question i I don't know oh oh we didn't ask the question um Um, well, you said Looper. Um, well, Looper, yeah, yeah, but but no, but um, see, but it didn't do back. I don't know if it did back commercially. Yeah, no, I don't no, it, it did. did pretty well, I think. Okay, well, then I don't solid. have an answer to the question. I just feel like <laughs> what movie that did it bad or that was critically bad that I want a sequel from back in the day, Belly. <laughs> um, yeah, if they if they had just turned right back with more of that, I would have been all Are over you it. Like, serious? Um, Are you, you, you want to bring back that golden age of of hood of hood of films? Just, I mean, if they come right back with the same actors and everything, I would have been all over. Ben, Belly I mean, too. all of them is like mad old all now. over. No, I mean right back. It had to have been then, not now. Oh. No, oh okay. no, then, not now. No, I'm about to say not the the age everyone is now. The things everyone been in now. Not now. Okay. Then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just checking. Um, I don't have an answer for you, Christian Rowland. My bad. I, I I already completely messed up your question in the beginning. I'm so. trying to think of some geek shit. Yeah, you know what I just saw the other day? It's probably too old for you. It was definitely too old for me. Uh, was Time Bandits? It's like supposedly a classic '80s joint. Chico Leo is to tear me apart when I say I turned that joint off like <laughs> 30, 30, 40 minutes into it. I was so disgusted. I don't know to everybody out there, Time Bandits. If it's that joint, I, I've never seen that. 
before and there's this other one the adventures of baron moon or something i've never seen it if that shit is whack too i'm gonna be mad because time bandits was terrible at least 30 40 minutes into it y'all so you know hit me in the ats whatever i don't want to see a sequel to that right joint was filled with dwarves yo it was weird little people is that the right word little people mm-hmm. little people Little people, no, it's full. Of, no, it's I'm dead ass serious. The time bandits is about these time traveling little people. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not joking. You know, no, that's what the movie is about. And they come and take this kid, you know, because of course there's a kid, so they come and grab this kid out of his room and go on time traveling oh. adventures. Why do they take the kid? Oh no, I didn't get that far. I turned this shit off. I was so, you know, it's like, it's you know, but there has to be a kid. It's an '80s movie, so there's some kid, you know, there's some white boy, and you know, they come and grab him up, and he goes on an adventure because he can't stand his home life. Because you know, what kid in the '80s should ever stand their home life? So here comes some little people to come, you know. This movie, yeah, this was, movie's from the '80s. Yes. Okay. I'd never seen it before. You know, I just heard about it, and people, you know, it's one of those things people talk about, and I guess. I'm not going to look at the Metacritic store for that because, yeah. Next question. <laughs> I was still trying to potentially look for another movie, but nah. Jumper Jumper deserves a sequel. F that. I will, I'll stand behind that. Okay. Um, the next one comes from Rob J. They write, Power Rangers, who are y'all's favorite auxiliary or sixth ranger other than Tommy? Basically, who's your favorite non- Other than the Green Ranger? <laughs> Tommy was well Tommy was green and white and everything but anyway yeah that's what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, other than him yeah. they wrote I stopped watching when Power Rangers went to Nickelodeon it just got terrible after that lol um, so auxiliary ranger meaning not your main mains that's not Tommy yeah I mean who else who is else there, is there? <laughs> I mean I haven't after Tom I've never watched Power Rangers after Tommy so I don't I can't tell you i read some of the comic books and I know there's like I didn't even know there, there were some... more auxiliaries besides the white slash green ranger there was some, I, I was keeping up with it, like reading the articles on that IO9, and I'm not sure if it was in the show or in the comics, but there was some wild ish that went on with the Rangers recently, where like one betrayed them or something and turned into another dude. It was, I was, I was reading the articles, like, yo, this, you know, if I cared enough, I'd watch this, and this seems dope, but yeah. No, um, yeah. Tommy, come on, man. Tommy, yeah, Tommy wins that easy. Yeah. And also because yeah, easily. I don't have any other. Experience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's about where it ran out for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, Tommy's okay, a goat. Then. Whatever. Um, yeah. Please don't. And also, please, y'all don't tell me. Come back to me tomorrow and be like, "Yo, <laughs> Tommy got some transphobic tweets." It's like, well, damn, I can't yeah. like anything. Um, the Wait, next- please. Please don't come back and tell me about somebody else who's dope because oh. I don't care. I'm honest with you on that one. That's like not my, you know, I stopped at Tommy. I'm done. Jesus. You know, Power Rangers. Um, I'm still Shout go- out to uh, Rita. Who is the villain? Who Rita we Repulsa. Had on the show? Yeah, Rita Repulsa, who we had on the show. Yeah. Shout out to. What you mean yeah. the villain? She is the villain. villain. Yeah. The villain, yes. Yeah. In the story. Yes. Um, the original. Um, the next question comes from the ghost of Simba. Aw. They write. God damn, <laughs> Right, Sam. right. Shit. Damn. I would like I mean, I laughed. Too. Damn. I mean, but that is dark, you know? Like, yeah. Y'all are some dark ones. Um, Hello, guys. Love the show, and hopefully I word this right. Do you think Batman is the worst thing to happen to Gotham? Bruce Wayne would do so much better than Batman. Make jobs, build a better prison so people can't escape, be a politician, etc. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you did it so plainly because that's what I was thinking in my head. 
Yeah. Uh, in many um, ways, Batman is absolutely the worst thing to happen to Gotham. Batman has more money than than imaginable, as as far as I, I am concerned. And he can do so much more with his money and influence as Bruce Wayne. Bruce can do so much more just being, quote unquote, himself. But he decides that the way he's going to make shit happen is to dress up in a spandex suit with bat ears, a cape, a utility belt, and just go off on people who constantly escape. So um, the answer is yes. Pretty much all superheroes are uh, white male power fantasy or a lot of the original ones. What about Superman, though? Because Superman's, like, inherently good. And that actually goes into another question that, uh, damn it, I did not get the person's name, but they asked us if we'd seen Brightburn. And Brightburn is this new film that's out that kind of tells the story of what if Superman was evil. Right, right. I was just going to say, and, <laughs> that's all it's about. Yeah. And I haven't seen it yet. I've mainly because I've read that story in a million different comic books. You know, there've been a, a hundred different stories where a Superman or a character like Superman, you know, exactly like Superman basically is evil. And so people tell that story a lot and I'm not really that interested in it. But I will say at the same time, one of my favorite Superman stories is Red Sun. And I know you've read I that as well. I love Red Sun. And that's not really evil. Yeah, that's Sun- just he grew up differently. Yeah, and it's not that he's evil. It's just that he grew up in the Soviet Union and what that all entails. And so, but at the same time, Superman can be considered evil in a way, but it all depends on what you would like an alien being with, you know, God-like power to do for humanity. Do you want him to steer humanity in what he chooses? Or do you want him to just stay back and fight crime like he does? And, you know, stop, you know, other great threats to the world. Mm. Because if he starts steering humanity the way he chooses, then he becomes a despot well, th- damn near immediately. Then he becomes more like Lex Luthor. Yes. Which in Red yeah. Sun, it's, it's a totally different story. Oh my God, it's such a good book. You guys got to read that. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's, I'm not even going to give it away, but you guys got to read that. Yeah, no, I, I Mark Millar, who wrote it, I'm not even the biggest fan of him, but that is like yeah. an absolutely... It's one of my top five Superman stories ever, easily. It's, it's my yeah. top, and, and I agree with you about Mark, but yes, it is my top Superman story. Mm. Yep. All right. Um, Can't argue. The answer is yes. He's the worst Batman's thing. the worst. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even say if he's the best thing, because people say, well, he saves people. I'm like, all right, but like, is Gotham better for it? No, Gotham gets... is. I don't even know if Gotham gets worse. It's just always perpetually bad. Yeah, and he's not changing that, so come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. still love a comic book. Tom King killing it right now, Batman, you know, but hey, let's be for real. <laughs> um, the last question I have comes from Marlon the Clydesdale. They write, with Ava's when they see us, uh, will Ava's when they see us be called her best? Oh, wait, hold on. I'm reading this wrong. Yeah, with Ava's when they see us being called her best. Oh, one. Okay. All right, y'all got a spell check, y'all. Um, being yep. called her, her best work and a load of mixed reviews for a Wrinkle in Time. Haters. Do you, th- well, it was boring. Do you think, wow. do you feel about, how do you feel? Okay, I'm starting over, y'all. With, with when they see us being called Ava's best work, whereas a Wrinkle in Time has a load of mixed reviews, do you, what do you feel about her working on New Gods? I think it could go either way. Like, I, 
what do you what do you want it could be it could be amazing or it could not work out but i just think that's the more or less the gamble you have with any director like thank you it might work for them and it might not and there are going to be directors who have a lot of hits and then there might be directors going to have a lot of misses but then they come up with something good so Mm -hmm. i i i you know i i would never place my bets on how Ava would do based on the reviews of A Wrinkle there. in Time versus mm. the reviews of When They See Us. Because first of all, two totally different genres, two totally yep. different expectations. And mm. it's just not what she did for A Wrinkle in Time is not indicative of what she did for the 13th. And it's not indicative of what she's done for Selma. It's not indicative of what she has done for When They See Us. So... I, I, as far as how how do I feel about her working new gods? Kudos to her. I like Ava as a person. It could go either way. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely could go either way. And like I always talk about people, you know, film is a collaborative work and it's so much that goes into making any one picture, any one TV show, any one episode, any one anything, right. short film, whatever. And along the way that could have all kind of things that could mess it up or make it magical. And like, let's say uh, Tom King, the writer who we love and would love to have on the show, he's co-writing it with Ava. And a year ago, if you said this, I would have like, Oh, it's over. It's to be incredible. Right. But, but this year I've read some of Tom's stuff where I'm like, mm, and damn. Yeah. He has a book out now. That's not doing too hot. Yeah, I mean, apparently Batman isn't doing as well as it was, but I love his run on Batman. I've been reading through Mr. Miracle, which I'm not that blown away by. And then he wrote Heroes in Crisis, which I really just disliked. Is you know, is that what he wrote recently that everyone's like, is this is terrible? I don't know if everyone is saying that, but I, I just everybody. really did not enjoy it. I thought the art was really great, but I thought the story was a misstep in a lot of ways. And, you know, but I've also thought he's wrote some of my favorite comic books of all time. The Vision, you know, right. um, uh, Omega Men. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like the you Vision. Know, some of Batman is just the best shit ever. The Vision series is incredible. And that's how I got. Really, I mean, I probably read Tom King stuff. So didn't realize it was him. But that's mm-hmm. how I really at least consciously got put onto him. And just yep. like I said earlier, you have people who may have some good and bad projects. And, you know, Heroes in Crisis is not necessarily one of them. I mean, and I, maybe, you know, everyone saying everyone. Yes, is a is a big blanket but i just personally i haven't seen anything really positive about that series it's uh, i mean a lot of people let's say that let me temper my statement a lot of people that i have been checking out um when it comes Mm -hmm. to seeing how they felt about the book a lot of people have been saying nah fam including you and I, you know how much I, I weigh your judgment with comics. So mm-hmm. if you're just like, yee, I don't know. Like if you're giving me that, that, you know, I don't know, man gift, then I'm going to be inclined to believe you. And like I said, this guy who's supposed to have like the best series ever that we fawn over his work, but then now he has a, has something that's not that great. Yeah. And I wish you could see my face right now because I'm over here doing, you know, because it's like, yeah, and it's not like I really just I mean, top to bottom from issue one. I was like, whoa, where is this going? And it reminds me I was talking to Joe Illich about it because it reminded me of this other book from D.C. from a few years ago. It's more than a few years now, but it's called Identity Crisis. Mm -hmm. And Identity Crisis was trying to do the same thing where 
just made shit really dark for no good reason to me. And it's like people always want to darken the DC heroes because they're so bright and so godlike and so above humanity. So people always want to bring them down. DC has never, in comics and cartoons, has never struck me as being like the bright ha ha he he comics. No, it's not never. bright ha ha he he, but they are such powerful godlike type heroes. You know, Green Lantern, Superman, Wonder Woman, right. you know. Aquaman, all these are like the king, you know, they're boom. And so people want to tell <laughs> real human stories with them. And that works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. And this time I just felt like it really didn't work. And, mm. you know, but at the same time, I would, like you said, I'm still dumb hype because New Gods, for one, are one are some of the illest characters DC has. Dark Side, the anti-life, the anti-trife equation, you know, that's where I got that from. Like, it ill as f so i'm dumb hype for this and ava you know she can do beautiful imagery she got bradford you know one of the illest cinematographers in the game yes. he already did arrival yes. which is another alien movie i can't wait to see what he does with new gods hopefully you know he's on it and yo man I, you know yeah man, i'm not worried i don't f the credits i liked I thought that what he called was a little slow i don't think it's the greatest film of all time but i did like you know, a wrinkle in time. So, you know, it, it was, yeah, man. listen, I, I, I supported it, but it was still boring. I feel you. It was, I, I watched it. And it's not something I'm running back to watch again. You know, it was like, it was cool. And also it, Ben Bradford has worked with Ava many times, actually. Oh, many times, even before Selma. Selma. I know that. Selma, yeah. Middle yeah. Boy, yeah she, she did some stuff. Oh like yeah. That. Oh no. That's when I, but I remember when I saw Selma, I was like, yo, who, was you know cinematography on this because that shot on the bridge was when i was like oh there's something going on here mm -hmm. this shit is fire you know <laughs> so i was like who who is you know i knew and that's what i was taking ava seriously as a director and then you know immediately i was like who worked the cinematography and i remember when i saw the trailer for arrival i was like yo who is the cinematographer on this and i was like this girl over here murdering it like shout out bradford young yeah. hu in the house his birthday's coming up too july 6th work nice um, nice yeah so the question i mean the answer is it, it, we hype we listen i'm for it it's about new gods i just want to see it and see what's going on i trust at the end of the day i trust mm -hmm. both of them like the, people have hits and misses but i still trust them that's the answer yeah and he and he's doing mr miracle i mean he just finished mr miracle which i haven't finished it and a lot of people love so i haven't i can't judge that till i finish it i like it and I know he has a good grasp on the whole history of the new gods and everything like that. And it's a dope ass property, y'all. Like if you haven't read up on them, you know, do some research. It's crazy. Big storylines. It's like cosmic Game of Thrones ish. You know, it's a war between worlds, these two different worlds warring. And everyone is super ill powered. You know, it's like they are they are gods, you know, for real. It's dope. Wow. Yeah. I have no, to it, it, could, it could be some, you know, bid money for DC done right. Got you. I have to read it. Yep. And that's it for the Glock. All right. As always, if you have a question for us, send it in contact at forallnerds.com or on the Twitters at forallnerds. And, you know, talk about new gods and big hits for DC. And uh, this weekend, unbelievably, Dart Phoenix drops. <laughs> um,. <laughs> I feel. I love the, the, the tentative. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I 
don't know if we're gonna get to see a screener or a screening before it drops. I, I probably guess not. We'll go, they don't. We'll go peep it this weekend. <laughs> um, probably not. We we shade it too much, I guess. This is know. why we're so we're so real on the show, y'all. We don't be getting invites to everything. Yeah, not everything, <laughs> not everything. And um, yeah, I uh, I'm hoping. You know, that's what I mean. I, I'm hoping. You know, but oof, expectations are low, folks. Expectations are mad low. Mad low. One, because I never wanted to see this in the first place. I mean, I say that about a few movies a year, but I really didn't want to see this. I really don't want to see the whole Jean Grey slash fake Phoenix saga again. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm ready for the Fox chapter to be closed anyway. And I know this is how they close it. So whatever. I mean, I know you watched the cartoon and I know they did a pretty good job of the Phoenix saga on the cartoon. Pretty good. Incredible. I told you. And it was okay. above my head at the time as a kid. But when I grew up and realized what the fuck was happening, I was like, this is some deep shit. But um, yeah, I might have to go rewatch though because I've seen them, but I haven't seen it, you know, like it's, where I've sat down. It's, like It's yeah. amazing. And I understand not everything translates to live action. You can't copy all the stories i get it every aspect of a story i Mm -hmm. get it if you're a great writer and you're able to make it happen then awesome but you don't have to you also don't have to tell that story and you also don't have to tell the story for the second time because this is the second time we're here yeah on on live action movies anyway so well, that see, my thing is, like, growing up, that was one of my favorite comic books of all time. The original Phoenix Saga by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. I encourage, if, if you haven't read it, go pick up a trade of it, whatever. It is just one of the best. You know, it's fucking incredible. It's it's a little wordy. I'll, I'll give you all that, though, right off the bat before, you know, <laughs> we ain't even getting the comments I copped yet. But Chris Claremont, you know, he puts a lot of words in his shit. But... <laughs> It is, I mean, art by John Byrne is at his peak then. The art is beautiful. Nobody made Jean Grey look better, in my opinion. And it's such a dope story. And it's just ill. And it's so sad. And it's so, you know, it's just classic. And they've never gotten it even close to right in movies. And I don't think this should be another one. So, I mean, it hurts. Again, it's it's difficult. I mean, we've seen we've seen more difficult things actually work. Guardians yeah, of, they Gal- could Guardians of the Galaxy they- is one of them. But it's like certain stories, I guess you, you really probably are better if you're going to have to, if you have to tell that story, maybe you really should stick closely to the source material because... <sighs> Or, you know, and again, I never trusted Fox with this. So maybe just no, they just can't do it. I don't know. I heard they took the ending out of space and put it back on Earth. But the problem like, is like. Why? Because they said because it was too much like Captain Marvel. And I'm like, yeah. what? Okay. It was this the problem? Like, there's so much in the story. Like, there's this group called the Star Jammers. There's the Shi'ar race. I know the Shi'ar. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Shi'ar. And they, the Shi'ar have their own team of superheroes. That was a woman so, wearing that Patty LaBelle wig. Yes. There it is, you know, uh, Lelandra. <laughs> Lelandra, yeah, she was yes, black, Lelandra. right? I mean, I know she's alien, but she's black. Well, you know, I'll put it down. She was always fine as hell to me, so, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go with that. All right. And she has a, a Superman type dude. He was in the uh, Gladiator, right? He was, he got purple, he's like purple skin. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, like they have their whole team. So it would take someone like Marvel who's going to put this big money, like, and they could, you know, three movies. You do three movies with the X-Men and you kill the Dark Phoenix saga. And then you could have spinoffs for days. Like, that's, Fox just shit the bed, folks. <laughs> they could have had, like, a Star Jammers movie, 
Like when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, they should have been like, oh, okay, we got that. Boom, Star Jammers. They don't have the and, same capabilities, bro. And it would have been money in the bank. No, they've, pro- they've proven to us that they don't have the capability. Dog, Star Jammers, the leader of the Star Jammers is Cyclops' father. Oh, see, they. You know what I mean? It's like money we is here. Have here is the all. money. <laughs> like, here is the money. Why don't you go get that bag? Didn't like, we almost have it all? That's all I got to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. You almost had it. It's just they just did not have the right team to make it happen, you know? And and it just didn't work out for it. them. You almost, you almost had it. You, you were so close. <laughs> so close. I love that commercial. Yeah. <laughs> almost had it. Uh, um, all right. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about this next week. I still ain't got to peep Godzilla yet. Um, I was too busy watching, you know, like I said, I'll always be my maybe this weekend. Oh and my gosh. Honest yeah. to God, this is my, this is now my top, my top five, top three, whatever. Favorite movie, favorite, mm. favorite, favorite with the R, <laughs> favorite movie. It was just so unexpectedly hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was so unexpectedly relatable. And when I say Daniel Day Kim ooh, and Keanu ooh. love it love it it's the movie is incredible just in terms of story in terms of structure in terms of how the it's a rom-com yes at its heart but it's just so well done like it's not a cheesy rom-com whatsoever and I and then the soundtrack is phenomenal. Like, I just enjoyed every single aspect of Always Be My Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, the joint starts off with 93 to Infinity by right. Souls of Mischief. And I was like, okay, I'm good money right <laughs> here. Like, you I'm know, in. I'm, I'm in. I'm in already. You know, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, Daniel Day Kim, I go back to Lost with, and he's, he's so just fine. that. He's I mean, he's that dude to me, Oof. you know, like from Lost. Keanu, obviously, I mean, just the whole movie, like you said, I, I myself, there was a couple moments in it where I was like, ah, you know, with the characters and just how they were reacting. But then I also feel like their trauma might not have been expressed well enough because if that had been expressed a little bit more. Oh, we got to talk offline and see what you're talking about. I mean, oh, yeah, it was just but at the same time, let me finish like the yeah. same time by the I mean, me personally, I burst into tears like three or four times in this film, you know, like because crying, especially laughing? with oh, oh, crying, oh. crying. Yeah, because, you know, it hit very close to home with me. The character's relationship with his mom and all that stuff was just. Yeah. Oh, man, that it, was hard for me, it, you know, it but it's also joyous tears because it's such a great film, you know, and I feel and I. This this isn't like Netflix has been killing it with these rom coms like um to all the boys I've loved before is another one of my favorites and they are doing it diversity inclusion all that good stuff mm-hmm. it's so wild though because I feel like I, I wanted to talk about this on Twitter and stuff and I didn't really get into this yet but it's such an interesting world we're living in right now especially as creatives like when you see that. A company like YouTube, they put out, well, I think these files came out earlier this week where they're showing how YouTube gives no fucks about what is on there as long as people are watching it. You know, it doesn't oh, matter yeah. how horrible it is as long as you're watching it. That's facts. And I know people who've talked to Netflix and, you know, gone there to sell them things. And Netflix is not that bad, but they're pretty close. You know, they just, they're like want eyes on the tube. Agreed. 
And so it's weird when you're a writer and you want to write the dopest thing in the world, but you know that a company is just looking to keep eyes on screen. So it's also interesting when they do do really ill and dope stuff, like when they see us and always be my maybe and to all the boys. And I've watched a lot of Netflix films lately and a lot of their series and some are good, some are bad, you know, and it just becomes that thing that I feel it's like a studio and they are just a big ass studio who has their own system of distribution now. Right. I mean, uh, I just just again, always be my maybe. It's just a phenomenal film. And it was both written and and produced by Ali Wong and Randall Park, yes. who star in it. And yes, yep. and, and that was like, at the end, when I saw the credits, I was just like, wait, the first thing I said in my head was, who wrote this? This shit was oh, too yeah. good. Who wrote this? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw their names, I was like, like I did the, the Weebay, wow. Because oh, yeah. it's just like their minds for them to be able oh. to do this. And, and also, I had mentioned it being relatable. I grew up, one of my brothers, and, and not to say that I am, but one of my brothers is black and Chinese. So mm. for a good period of my life, I had a Chinese stepdad. And mm. because of that, I was kind of immersed in uh, some of that Chinese culture and some of the habits and things like that. And then and then maybe because of that, I also branched out to other cultures um, in, in, the, in the Asian space, if you will. And... A lot of the, like, I picked up on, uh, and maybe, not, obviously not everything, but I picked on a lot of stuff that's very sp- culturally specific that were so nuanced and still beautiful that the way that they were able to portray it in the film. Um, and the fact that there's so many different levels. Like, I, I saw it twice. I saw it I saw it once with, um, thank you, Angela Yee. She, uh, her and Netflix did a screening, and then I said I saw it again this past weekend at home. And it was just the things that I was picking up at during the second viewing, I was just like, wow. And to your point, I think I started actually crying during the whole the, the whole family stuff, we'll say. Oh, I lost it. No, the first time, I'm sitting at home, so I lost it yeah, immediately. I, w- I wasn't I lo- crying the first time. I was so busy laughing most of the time, but this time I started crying. Lost it, lost it, lost it at the beginning and lost it at the ending of it. You know, that's all yeah. sad without spoiling it, but lost it. Um, and I also picked up on a lot of that because I grew up in Houston and I went to school with like a variety of different Asian cultures where we had that. We had Chinese, we had Korean, we had Vietnamese, uh, Cambodian, you know, down the line at my high school. You know, it was all of them in very close contact. Those are a lot of my good friends. So I knew the differences in culture. And that was a moment I love, like, when her mom was like, are you sure you're not um, Yeah, are you sure you're Korean? not Korean? I, I peeped that. And that's and that even goes to, it's so relatable that. because it goes to everything. Like, when I go to Ethiopia and people's moms will be talking to me like, are you sure you're not Ethiopian? And I'm like, y'all was born in America. I know I look like right. it and I'm just down with the culture and I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. She also you know? meant it in a tongue-in-cheek way because mm-hmm. that's a, yeah. a thing a lot of colonizers would say. Yeah, uh, but it's no, but in but, that sense, it's just like you're part of the family. Right. Yeah, it's the love. And yeah. that's the same thing I feel when I'm in Ethiopia. And they're just like, nah, you just get it, you know, and you're down with it, you know, and they're like, yo. And it just even was, I'll, I'll you know, keep it real with y'all. When I was locked up, it became like all the Muslims would be like, yo, man, you're like more Muslim than the rest of these, you know, and all the Christians would be like, yo, you're, you, should, you know, you're more Christian, you know. And it was just that's like, so weird. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, you know, because you express those feelings. And like I always tell anyone, 
all the major religions, you know, the Judeo Christianity, whatever they want to call it, all the major religions are all based on the same idea. And the basic teaching in them all is a word of love, you know? And so if you just express that in your life, you're living like a Muslim, you're living like a Christian, you're living like a Jewish person, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, even Buddha, it's I mean, on and on, you know, that, it's always, it always goes back to love. You know, Absolutely. that's what you, if you if you express that and put that out into the world, you're living like those type of people. Yes. And I love yes. always be my maybe yes. like the um, I mean, it's just so good. Y'all please see if you haven't already. Have you peeped um to all the boys I've loved before? I have. I I, I know all about everyone saying it's so good. I never yeah. saw it. So. I, uh, peep it. Yo, peep it. You'll love that, too. You, really? You're going to be coming back next week. Yo, it's I mean, I'm not going to say no, that's, that's my fave. Cause this one, cause I'm, yeah, <laughs> no, next week you, you might be just that joint is fire. Like to all the boys is fire. Yo, it's okay. like it's well, you know, everything you loved about this, like it's same thing, you know, and um. What do you call it? The, uh, what's the one that was in theaters? Um, Goddamn, last year with... um, uh, Why is this still in my mind? And I don't want to say the Asian wedding movie, but... um, And if I Google that, it'll come Crazy up. Crazy Rich right. Asians, you mean? Yes, thank you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I've, I mean, fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, oh my God, crazy. I can't wait for the sequel to that. They're doing a sequel to All the Boys I've Loved Before. I'm sure they're going to do a sequel to Always Be My Maybe Now. So. They have to, please. Have to, please, please, please. please. Tiano got to come back. As far as rom-coms are concerned, <laughs> I Always Be My Maybe is on the top of the list for me, but I will watch. Crazy Rich Asians, have you seen that? Uh, yes, I've seen it, and I, okay. and I loved it. That was- no, I, I, I loved it, but I didn't. I loved it, but I didn't feel it like I felt Always okay. Be My Maybe. And, I feel you. And maybe it's because it, it deals with ultra rich people <laughs> and with more money than I ever seen in my entire life. Oh my God. So, yeah. I mean, from, from, from that perspective, I mean, it was still a good movie, but always be my maybe tops it for me. No, I feel you. I mean, always be my maybe, like I said, starts with 93 to infinity. I'm done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Go see that movie, good. Movie, y'all. good move. I mean, fantastic movie. All right. And moving on <laughs> before we get out of here tonight, I got to do a real quick comic yeah you like that yes um comments i cop where we always talk about all the comics that you've been copying reading anything out there you know new old doesn't matter just use the hashtag comics i copped on all social media platforms thank you so much for using it and like i said last week i've been slacking off but this week i've been reading again Oh, one more TV thing. Yo, shout out to Swamp Thing. That debuted this week, and I peeped the first episode. Fire. Fire. Really? No, from Titans to... Doom Patrol is one of the best TV shows, you know, ever made about superheroes. I'll I'll say that facts. End of story. Like, from Titans to Doom Patrol and now the Swamp Thing, if... Because Titans was good, and then Doom Patrol was great. So if Swamp Thing continues that trend, it's, you know, it'll be incredible because if it gets better than Doom Patrol, it has to be tough. But the first episode was dope as hell. And Swamp Thing is such an ill character that they could really go, you know, a long ways with this. Mm, like okay. D- like that DC service show by next year is to be well worth your money. I, I can't even front because they are coming with it right now. But anyway, back to comics you know that's a quick comic diversion right there this week i have been reading i've got back on my game and i've actually been reading through jonathan hickman's uh fantastic four series from i think this is from like 2011 or so but hickman is basically 
has been running like well for a while he was like just doing this long ass story through the Marvel Universe and it started on Fantastic Four it might have even started on Secret Warriors I think he was doing that before that but it really starts with Fantastic Four and then it continued into the Avengers where I used to talk about that on old episodes of the show you can go back and listen to that and that's one of my favorite runs of comics is his run on the Avengers so before that he did Fantastic Four and I'd never read that Mm -hmm. so now I'm going back through and reading that and it's dope as hell like it's just fire you know that's all I can say if you want a great story, uh, somebody was actually tweeting me today and they were like, yo, this is the first time I ever liked Fantastic Four was when he wrote it. They're like, I just never got into any of the other stuff. And this has become one of my favorites. Check it out. I also read the latest issue of Immortal Hulk, which I've been talking about a lot on the show. And um, Al Ewing is a fucking monster. Everyone involved in that series is out of control they are doing some of the best work out right now if you are not reading immortal hulk if you like horror if you like mystery uh, you know tatiana there was a moment in this issue where like i was just i, I was sitting there like okay there, he's fighting the abomination in the in the latest issue okay. and a lot of people don't know the abomination from I, the um what movie was that he's in the, the first um, the first or the second um hulk movie but he's in the edward norton one. yeah he's in the ed norton one. Yeah. yeah and so um I abomination but okay all right well this like everything immortal hulk it's just turned up to the horror right so this version of abomination is made from rick jones who's um from rick jones and emil blonsky the russian guy who was in the movie and in the comics, Rick Jones has never been in the movies, but Rick Jones is like the Hulk sidekick. He's a regular human, and he was there when the Hulk was first created by the Gamma Bomb, and he's been around, you know, the Hulk and a Captain America, like pretty much every hero. He is the sidekick of the Marvel Universe. Like at some point, he's been the sidekick to everyone. Mm-hmm. But the Hulk and him are very close. So this Abomination version was created by using rick jones corpse i'll say and uh <laughs> the abomination the original abominations gamma energy and corpse so it has it looks like the abomination that we know from the movies but it has these extra hands covering its face right right so throughout the issue you don't see its face because it's covering it's covered by these hands yes Strange, very Weird, anime-like. Strange, very anime-like. Yeah, very anime-like. Yes, I know, very I know anime-like. a very. Uh, you know the imagery. I know yep. the image. Yes. So, of course, at the end of the issue, the Hulk gets his hands on the hands and pulls <laughs> it apart to see what's behind the hands. More hands. And no, fucking three Rick Jones faces screaming, "Kill me! Kill me! Kill me!" Three human faces. Wow. And maybe some extra eyes and all. It's just horror. You know, it's horrible. Like, it was one of those images, like, when when I flipped the page, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. (laughs) That's a little dark for my taste. Um, It's super dark, but like I say, it's just one of the best trauma books out right now. Like, I put this up there with Vision, you know, from Tom King. This run is going to be legendary. Like, Immortal Holt by Al Ewing. I think the artist's name is Paul Monks. And, oh, my God beautiful art just some of the best writing out if you like horror if you like like twilight zone type stuff mm-hmm. if you like black mirror type stuff love black mirror well then you need to be reading this book really in the story if you I like mean, the you vision said, you said three if you like that scream and i don't know 
Yeah, but if you like that darkness or like how the vision was dark, you will love this. And just for a story, for the writing, for everything, it's... Ooh, I'm telling y'all, go pick up them trades and get on this Immortal Hulk. And last this week, I got a big up friend of the show, actually several friend of the show's new book, Brandon Thomas, Kari Randolph, and Emilio Lopez have this new book from Image called Excellence. And I know you picked up a copy of this as well. Yes. And Ex- Excellence is this book. It's the first issue, so I really can't honestly tell y'all exactly what it's about. But in the first issue, it seems to be about this uh, teenager who he's a black kid in the modern era, and he's part of a family of wizards, I guess they are. And he's going through this training to become like, you know, it's not it's like Harry Potter level when you're graduating from whatever school it is that he's in, Mm -hmm. I guess. And that's how the first issue is. I don't know much more about it than that. I loving it i love i mean kari is one of my favorite artists the cover of the first issue is so ill and you know i'm 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 in for the long run with this one brandon thomas kari randolph and emilio lopez make sure y'all check it out that's excellence from image comments i think the first issue might be sold out in some places make sure you pick it up if you can get a chance because this one of those books i keep telling y'all you know cop those first issues cop those second issues because they're not that big print runs and getting a lot of buzz. And I think this has already been optioned for a film or a series. So, you know, get on it while you can. And that is it for comics. I cop this week. Nice. Nice. Thank you very much to everybody as always for using that hashtag, etc. for reading comics, for telling me what you're reading. Thank you. Love to always talk comics. Hit me up. I saw a lot of people using this uh, hashtag this week comic that made me cry, man. What I was click like that, that was the hashtag like comic that made me cry. Oh. And so it was like a comic that made you cry. And man, yo, people were breaking my heart on that joint. Karen Gillen um, tweeted out uh, this book. We three that. Oh, just the fact that he put that image out there again. I, you know, immediately I, the tears were coming like. We Three, if you've never read it, is a dope-ass graphic novel. It's about these three animals who get experimented on by the military and get basically Iron Man suits of armor put on them. On animals? On animals. A cat, a rabbit, and a dog. And it is one of the... It's kind of like Watership Down where these animals are just trying to get home, but they are trapped in these suits of armor. And it is, it's sad, it's beautiful, it's everything. It's written by Grant Morrison with art by Frank Quietly. It's, you can find a graphic novel anywhere. I, like, you hear the pauses when I'm talking about it. Like, I encourage you to read it, but I just warn you how sad it is. And, how, you know, how, it's one of those things that, you know, blow your mind. It's so good, though. It's like, oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's a tough one, though. I got to pick these up. See, but see, this is what I'm talking about. You keep giving me great books and then keep talking about more books. And I'm just I like, know. what the fuck, dude? Like, didn't finish the other books. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's, that's, I'm telling you, that it, I didn't thought about We Three in years, you know. And then Karen Gillan, the author of Wicked and Divine and Die, he tweeted an image from it. And I was just immediately like, fuck, that was so good. And Frank Quietly, I mean, Grant Morrison's one of my favorite um, authors, but Frank Quietly is a monster on art. And he does this weird, not weird, like ill-ass technique in that book where because, you know, animals have such quicker reaction times than we do, he 
draws it so he like slows down time so you can see how the animal would perceive it and that's part of the ill thing imagine in a cat in a suit of iron man armor and it can't control itself so if you come at it it just reacts and shoots missiles at you what yeah <laughs> so absurd but yeah but it, it's taken to its logical extreme in the book so it becomes very dark and very violent and a lot of terrible things happen while these animals are just trying to get home and it is oh wow. man yeah we three is one of them books that will crush you like why do you keep telling me all this dark stuff then i mean ah uh, you know because i guess you know as, as much positive and happy energy <laughs> i you know i also read some dark ass shit so you know if you've got some happier comics or something that made you cry in a happy way you know use that hashtag comments i cop you know check out that other hashtag comic that made you cry it might break your heart but Damn. you know there's been comments that made me cry and you know uh, tears of joy all-star superman is one that always makes me like i mean red sun all-star superman both of those are like tears of joy comics better than the animation just fyi when it all-star superman thank you it, it's so much better i mean all-star superman is one of my favorite comics of all time i just you know it's it's beautiful and yeah. it so much better as a book yeah all right whoo this is an action-packed episode boy <laughs> i mean you know we had some deep thoughts in the beginning you know logan browning thank you for coming through and dropping nothing but gems yeah thank you guys for sticking in i know this was a longer episode but thank <laughs> you for sticking in there um i just wanted to make sure i i said the full information as i mentioned at the top of the show on june 19th which is juneteenth um drunk black history is going to return i'm joining mm -hmm. brandon collins of medium popcorn podcast it's going to be um him um baker bone that's his ig name um also i'm one of the guests as is don will who is an illustrious musician as well as dolce sloan who is a correspondent on the daily show so oh. we're again, I don't know if it's going to be like a stand up situation where I'm going to like go into something that is not my element whatsoever or what. But we're going to be talking black history and we're going to be drunk. So I think you guys are going to have a fun time. Make sure you look it up on Eventbrite to get your tickets and we'll see you there. Yeah, that's one of my like goals and dreams is to do a stand up comedy set. So really? I'm definitely yeah. Oh yeah, it's always been like forever, and I'm definitely gonna do it soon. Maybe I'll do that on Patreon. You know, I I, you know? I know I'm funny, but I know I don't th know if I'm stand up funny. That's a different funny. Well, it's all you know. It's about studying and writing and just going out there and doing it. Really, you know, like with anything, you got to do it and then get better at it, or you know, you, but it takes the practice and taking them else. Facts. So. You know, that's all it's about. But, you know, always keep going. Flash.